0: Well, it's great to be here with you this morning, enjoyed my time last year, I guess it was in September on the way to Uganda where I stopped in last year and it was just so nice to be in your church, meet some of you and share the word of God with you. It was really uh, great for Paul to come with us to Uganda last year, great opportunity to get to know him more and, and uh, just to see him minister and to dance, wow. He he was uh, he was cutting loose on the last night in front of like ten thousand people there, and he uh, was a bit of a dance off with some some great Ugandan dancers. But Paul he he held his own. I was I was impressed with what he could do. I just want to begin by just uh, thanking you as a church for supporting Lift Evangelistic Ministries it's the ministry that i started in our church it was birthed in our church about 8 years ago and god is really blessing that ministry it's growing and we're heading off into some new nations god's really opened a door for us in pakistan as well we'll be there in november doing a really large event in the in the city of karachi but all along the way it's been such a faith journey for me and certainly Uh, to believe God for resources. It's not cheap to do uh, gospel festivals at the level that we're trying to do them. And so uh, I remember the day when I was trying to believe God for 20,000 and it seemed impossible. And now we're believing God for several hundred thousands and uh, God is making a way. And part of that is just some churches, new churches, different individuals coming on board and and so earlier in the year, maybe some of you know this, maybe not all of you did, but, but uh, Paul told me that your church would like to support what we're doing. And so just really appreciate the gift and, and uh, believing that God will multiply it and, and be a part of seeing many souls come into the kingdom of God. Well, I'm going to uh, share a message with you this morning that I hope will stir you that I hope will provoke you. You know, uh, some come as great teachers and theologians. I'm not coming this morning as a great teacher and a theologian. I'm coming as a as a preacher, as an evangelist. And I, uh, I believe that what God has on my heart this morning, God wants to use to stir you. You know, I always feel like I can come, I can tell a few of my best stories, uh, pray a little prayer at the end, entertain you a little bit and go. Or I can say, God... If you sent me to breathe new life this morning, how do you want to use me to breathe new life? And is there something that I have, is there something that you've done in my heart that I can impart and leave a deposit? I know I'm nothing great, but I know that God has done something in me and, and He's stirred some things in me and I've gone on some journeys. And, and I think that God allows us to impart faith for things that we've gone through and things that we've experienced. And so that's what I want to do this morning. So at the end, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to give an opportunity for a response uh, where I believe that God, by His Holy Spirit, will stir some things and impart some things to you. So that's where we're going. A number of years ago, I had an experience in Kasumu, Kenya, that I don't think I'll ever forget. I was in Kenya uh, as part of a ministry trip with a woman by the name of Rachel Hickson, a Brit, uh, I think I shared a little bit of my story last time I was here and the influence this woman had on my life. A lot of what I'm doing today, she prophesied over me when I was in my early 20s that I would be doing it. She used to work for Reinhard Bonnke. She was one of his crusade event uh, organizers. And she was a lady that invited my wife and I to come and, and travel around Kenya a little bit with her one summer. I didn't have any children at the time. It was just over 20 years ago. And I was excited about that, and I discovered that while we were in Kenya, actually, Reinhard Bonnke was going to be in Kenya. Bonnke was one of my heroes. Uh, I had seen him preaching uh, in Malawi on video when I was 16 years old, not even sure if I was going to serve Jesus. But when I saw him uh, preaching on this video on the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the thousands of people, uh, something in my mind said, if I ever get serious about God, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, that became a dream of mine, and it was 20-some years be seeing it fulfilled. But I became really curious about Bunky, began to read all his books, and, and uh, got his newsletter and all these things. In fact, even when I got married, he sent me a telegram on my wedding day, because my best man somehow got a hold of him, and uh, so I got a telegram from Bonke on my on my wedding day. So... I had the opportunity to meet him one time in our city and have breakfast with him. And that was a bit of a story, but I always wanted to see him in action in Africa in a real crusade. And so I uh, discovered Bonki was in Kenya while Rachel was was, going to have us with her. And so I emailed Rachel at the time and I said, Rachel, I can't imagine being in the same country as Bonki and not going to one of his crusades It was in another city. I said, are you okay if I take a bus and just go for one night so I can see this thing and then I'll return? And I was pretty ignorant about what riding a bus was going to be like in Africa at at the time. I was naive. And uh, she emailed me back a few days later and she said, Joel, I called Reinhardt, told him we were going to be in Kenya. And she said, we've made a detour. I've made an adjustment in the schedule. We're going to go to Kasumu, Kenya. We're going to stay in the same hotel as the CFAN team. We're going to go to like the inward, the inner meetings, the inner circle meetings, and, and uh, we're going to just take in the crusade and be a part of the whole thing. I thought, this is amazing. Now, at this point in my life, I was already dreaming that God was calling me to be an evangelist. And in my mind, I thought maybe I would be the next Reinhard Bunkey, you know. I had a lot of vision, a lot of faith at that time in my life, and, and I'm a little sheepish, almost a little embarrassed to say this to you, but there was a part of me that thought, once Bonky lays his eyes on me, he's probably going to hear the Holy Spirit say, here's the next one, here's, here's, your, here's your replacement, here's Elisha, you know, and lay your hands on him and commission him into the ministry. I thought, like, I had a lot of faith. And so I was really excited, and we pull up to the crusade and the first thing uh, the meeting was happening the very first night and Rachel says to me, "Do you want to go on the stage?" I thought, really?" She says, "Yeah, she brings me behind and talks to the security next thing I know, I'm standing on the stage as bonkies praying for the sick like I'm right behind him watching this whole thing and for the next three or four days, I had a front row seat to it all and I was in the team meetings and and uh, all this stuff, but the thing that I was really fired out about, fired up about, was the fire conference during the day. Bonke would do uh, conferences for leaders and just people, uh, uh, church people, to not not an evangelistic conference, but to impart his evangelistic faith and grace and and inspire people to preach the gospel that God had called them. And then at the end. He would stand in the middle of the field. And and this place was uh, where this fire conference was at, for him, was relatively small at this point in time. There was only about 10,000 leaders there. Uh, And uh, so at the end, he would stand in the middle of the field. They have like a platform that he kind of rises above with a little umbrella to keep his head uh, from burning in the African sun. And then they would line up everybody single file. They would go by him on both sides, and he would lay hands on all 10,000 people. And uh, just a quick, you know, a little prayer of impartation or whatever. And so I knew that he would lay hands on everybody at the fire conference. So I thought, this is going to be my moment. When Bonky lays his hands on me, I will never be the same again. I sort of anticipated he would stop, pause, and go, oh my goodness, and begin to uh, prophesy uh, and hand the ministry off to me. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew it was going to be awesome. And so we get in line, and, and uh, it's in a soccer stadium. There's sort of bleachers all around, or football stadium, I guess you call it, bleachers all around, and uh, I get in line. Now, I have to I have to admit, it was a little anticlimactic. There wasn't that many people falling down under the power of God like I anticipated. The odd one would hit the deck, you know, and they would drag them out or something. But it was pretty tame. And so, I, you know, I'm getting nervous as I'm, as I'm getting closer and closer and closer to, to my life-changing moment. And I have to say, it was very disappointing when he put his hand on my head. In fact, it was like he barely touched it. It felt more like he was pushing me on uh, to the next person. He had no idea what he had right under his hand there. <laughs> and I remember as I continued walking on by, filing out of the stadium with everybody, in my mind I was thinking, Lord, did anything happen there? Like, that was not what I was anticipating at all. That, I, I felt nothing. There was no fireworks. There was nothing. Nothing. And so I get outside of the stadium, I'm filing out, and uh, what I saw outside of the stadium was actually amazing. They're all outside of the stadium in the red African dirt. There was hundreds, maybe even a thousand uh, uh, Kenyans laying on their face in the dirt weeping, crying out to God. Some were laughing, some were shaking. It seemed like some were maybe even being delivered. I didn't know all what was going on. It was just chaos outside. And you couldn't see any of that from the inside. It was happening on the outside. And I thought, this is incredible. Look at these wonderful, beautiful African people. They don't even care that they're in the dirt. They're they're on their face, in the dirt, crying out to God. People wonder in North America why we don't see the power of God the same way in in Canada or in the U.S. or whatever as they do in Africa. Well, I'm going to take a picture right here. I'm going to get some video. I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to come home and I'm going to show the, our church in Canada, this is, this is how passionate the African believers are. And so I pull out my camera to take a picture, and as I'm about to take a picture, the Holy Spirit just speaks to me, and I know it's Him. And He, said, he asked me this question, He says, hey Joel, are you going to stand here like a tourist taking pictures, or are you going to get down on your knees in the dirt and have an encounter with me? In that moment, I realized I didn't want to take pictures. I wanted to have the same encounter with Jesus that my brothers and sisters in Africa were having. And so I put my camera away. I knelt on my knees. And when my knees hit the dirt, the Holy Spirit just hit my heart. And the next thing I knew, I was laying in the dirt. The guy beside me was laughing. The guy on this side was crying. I was doing a combination of the two. And the presence of God was so real to me that day, and God just began to speak to me about my own nation. A lot about what I'm doing today, God was speaking to me, and I was weeping in His presence. But I almost missed it, because kneeling in the dirt seemed a little undignified to me. But you see, I share that story with you today because I want to provoke you as a church and to provoke you as individuals to not just be a Christian tourist, but to be an active participant in God's story. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, let me read you a few verses. It says, this is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Isn't that incredible? Do you love God this morning? I know you do. The scripture says then that you can't even imagine what God has prepared for you. That's amazing. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Whatever you can think or ask, God can do infinitely more than whatever you can come up with. John 14, 12, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Now, these are all wonderful scriptures. Most Christian people that I know know these scriptures. Some of them have them memorized. Some of them have them on their fridges or whatever at at home. We love these kinds of verses. They speak to the destiny and the call and the power that's available for every believer. And there's many other verses that say the same thing. But church... Knowing the verses, having them memorized, uh, reading these verses, that's one thing. Living in them is another. And there are many people who love to, to hear the stories of, of other people that are doing great things for God. I love biographies. Even as a young boy, I used to read so many biographies of men and mighty men and women of God and dream that maybe one day I could be one of those kinds of people. Sometimes we like having guest speakers come into our church because they tell their best stories. You know, I like to tell my best stories. That's it's why it's great to get outside of my church because they're sick of hearing my stories. But we love it to to hear these stories of people that are doing great things for God. But what I want to say to you this morning, church, is that we don't have to live through other people's stories. God has a story to write in our own lives, in our own churches. Sometimes we hear what God is doing in other churches. God wants to do it in your church as well. But I want to emphasize today one of the things that I've discovered is that these things only happen when we become people who push right to the edge of our faith and actually engage. It's there where the power of God is found and experienced and released. You don't experience the power of God because you know the verses, because you've memorized the verses. You experience the power of God by believing in the verses and then stepping out and acting upon them. And of course, one of the most famous stories in the Bible is the story of Jesus walking on the water. And of course, we know that Peter walked on the on the water with Jesus that time as well. Many preachers have preached from this. But I wanna—I thought a lot about this story as I think about how uh, stepping in the power of God, living in the power of God, requires us to push to the edge of our faith. So I just want uh, to use it this morning to make a couple thought, give you a couple thoughts from. The background of the story is that the disciples have just joined Jesus in a great miracle. The feeding of the 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and a few fishes. Most theologians believe that Jesus broke the bread, handed it to his disciples, and then as they went out handing out the loaves and bread that it multiplied in their own hands. That's pretty amazing when you think about it that as they were doing this miracle, they were seeing the bread and the fish multiplying within their own hands. However it happened, it was an incredible miracle that they were a part of. And so now, after this miracle, Jesus, he takes some time out to be alone, says to his disciples, I want you to cross the lake, I'll meet you on the other side. He doesn't tell them how he's going to get there. Most of you know the story as they're crossing the lake, a storm arises. Uh, It's uh, treacherous out there. The waves are beating against the boat. And then it says in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25, that shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So he's, he's right on top of the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It's me. It's Jesus. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell tell me to come to you on the water. If that's really you, Jesus, then call me to come. Call me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus says, and Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Here's a couple thoughts I want to give you from this story as I challenge you to push to the edge of your faith. The first thought is this. All the disciples in the boat had the same opportunity as Peter. Have you thought about that? Was it just Peter that Jesus was talking to in this story? No, if you go back and read, it says, Jesus said to them. He's talking to all of them in the boat. Take courage, it's me. It's Jesus. Jesus was talking to all of them, but Peter reacted differently than all the other 12. When Peter heard Jesus say, it's me, something in Peter says, well, if it's you, I just had this great experience where together we fed 5,000 where I was a part of this incredible miracle. If that's you walking on the water, then call me to come. I want to come. He just needed an invitation to come. He knows if Jesus calls him, he can do it. If Jesus calls you, I don't care however impossible it is, if Jesus calls you, you can do it. And Peter knew it. So he says, Jesus, if you call me, then I'm coming. There's a message there in itself. And Jesus calls him. And out he goes. Amazing. Now, imagine being one of the other 11 disciples in the boat. If this was like in 2023, John probably reaches into his pocket for his cell phone. He's going Facebook Live. (laughs) He might have taken a selfie. Just pause for a second, Peter. I want to get this picture. I was there when Peter was walking on the water. I was there when Peter had the courage to get out of the boat. Look at this. Facebook Live. This is happening right now here. There's waves everywhere. We thought there was a ghost. and, And this is Jesus right over there. And... This is amazing. Wish you guys were here. But this question comes to my mind. Why didn't John ask Jesus the same question? When Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking, why didn't John go, what about me, Jesus? Can I come? Can I walk on the water? Wasn't the same opportunity available to him? I believe it was. But for some reason, 11 disciples sat in the safety of their boat and watched one guy experience the miraculous that they all could have experienced. And I want to suggest to you, church, that the story that unfolded there in the boat is not a whole lot different than what often happens in Christian circles everywhere. There are always those who stand and watch, And there are those who push to the edge of their faith and engage. Every church has both types. There are those who push to the edges of their faith and experience the power of God. And there are those who take pictures and live through other people's stories. I don't know about you, but I've never been content to live through somebody else's story. If God wants to write a story through my life, then I'm going after it. I'm going after it. If God is calling me out onto the water, I'm leaving the boat behind. I've said to people in our church before, you can come to Africa with with me if you want. You can take pictures of me as I'm living my dream. But God has his own story for you. So why take pictures of me when God wants to write his story through your own life? The second thought that I want to give you this morning is this whole idea that there was no hesitation in Jesus. I've already said that I believe every disciple had the same opportunity as Peter, and I think it's obvious because of the response of Jesus to Peter's question. When Peter says to Jesus, if it's you, can I come? Call me to come. Jesus doesn't go, oh, I don't know, Peter. I wasn't anticipating that. Walking on water is sort of like a few more years in the discipleship process. We haven't quite got to that level of Christianity just yet. There was none of that. Peter says to Jesus, If it's you, call me to come, and there's no hesitation. Come! Come! It was immediate. Come on! Church, can I suggest to you that Jesus loves participators in the kingdom of God. Nothing gets him more excited. He loves to see his disciples arise and step out in faith. And I believe that there is a call to come to every willing heart, to everyone who is willing to make themselves available to Jesus. If you will come and say, Jesus, I'm available, you call me, I'm coming, I promise you, He's calling. He's calling. The call of a disciple has always been a call to service. When Jesus first called his disciples, what did he say to them? Come, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. A call to follow is a call to service. His heart had always been for them to do what he did. That's what a disciple is. He does what he sees his master do, what his master teaches him to do. And of course here, it's impossible for Peter to walk on the water until, unless Jesus was there and calling him. But as I mentioned already, when God calls you, the impossible suddenly becomes possible. That's a story that I'm living in my own life. And the good news this morning is that God is calling each and every one of us in the room today. But the power of God is not found sitting in the boat The power of God is experienced when we respond to his call and swing our leg over the side. I'm 47 years old. Or am I 48 now? I'm 48 now. I was telling everybody I was 48 for the whole year I was 47. Now I've gone back a year. But I would say for the last 20, 25 years, the journey of my life has been this journey in pursuit of the power of God. And I've heard God call me to come. I'm finding that as I push to the edge of my faith, I'm seeing God blow my mind with His power and with His glory. I want to end with a, a story. One of my first trips to Africa, as an evangelist uh was with a guy from our church i was the second year i went i started taking a a small team of people and a good friend of mine in our church he's a businessman but he's he's virtually blind in fact at night he's completely blind he can't see anything during the day he can see a little bit out of his peripheral he can't drive things like that and uh so he uh I, we were starting to become friends. He was fairly new to our church. And my mom was praying for him one day at the altar. And she said to me, Joel, you need to take Jeff to Africa. Not this Jeff. Another Jeff in our church. You need, I think you need to take Jeff to Africa with you. I said, okay. So I said, Jeff, hey, would you like to come to Africa? Oh, okay. What am I going to do? I said, I don't know. Pray for people. So He comes. I have to lead him through all the airports and everything, hand on my shoulder. It was actually good. We, we always got upgraded because I used to say, I have to sit beside Jeff to help him so then we get moved to a better seat. So I'm like, whatever you do, we're milking this for all it's worth. <laughs> so anyways, we get to Africa. He battles all this intimidation, feels like he's a nuisance, like he's holding us back and blah, blah, blah. I didn't know this, but he'd gotten up in the morning and he told his wife, I'm coming home tonight. I'm going, I'm going home. I don't know why I came. And So he's telling me at breakfast, Joel, I'm going home tonight. I said, what are you talking about? Oh, I'm just, you guys got to drag me everywhere. I don't know why I'm here. I said, you're not going home tonight. I said, God probably wants to do something in you tonight, and you're battling. And so I said, tonight I'm going to pray for the sick. And it was going to be sort of my first adventure into praying for the sick and I said, just join the ministry team there in the front and let's see what God will do. Start praying for the sick and it was the first meeting where we started to see some demonic manifestations happening and this was all sort of new stuff for us and somewhere in there as I'm praying for the sick, I look over to the side and there on the side of the stage, there's Jeff and he's just got tears just streaming down his face. He's bawling his eyes out. I'm like, what's going on? I go over, he's trying to tell me, but he's blubbering so hard I can't understand. And finally, what I discover is there was a small girl that had come up to him that was visually impaired. And he was like, how do I pray for this girl? I'm blind. And he prays for her and she gets healed. He's sobbing. He's sobbing on the side of the stage. It was the first miracle that our team didn't come from my hands it came from Jeff's so the next year he's there and he's brought a bunch of businessmen from our church and he wants to do some business dinners and preach the gospel at them and he's got his father-in-law who's a businessman with them who's come from a very conservative background and all these things, and so now we're beginning to pray for the sick in our meetings, and we're starting to see the power of God moving on people, and we're coming back to the hotel, and everybody's got their story. I was praying for this person, and, we, and God was touching this one and that one, and it was it was great. And we're at breakfast the next morning, and Jeff's father-in-law, he goes, you know, did, did all that happen last night? Like, there's this cynical side of me that wonders, were they really sick, you know, and so we were just talking about this battle. You know, we all battle with some of these thoughts. And there was supposed to have been a bunch of these dinners throughout or, or, or meetings throughout the day with local business leaders. And the, all of it fell apart. And Jeff's feeling bad because he's brought all these business guys promising this opportunity for these things. And everything we had planned fell apart. And so the manager of the hotel comes to us and says, I hear that everything's falling apart for you guys today. Uh, what are you guys going to do? We said, I don't know. And he said, well, there's... About 30 miles from here, there's some hot springs where the water just bubbles out of the water, or out of the ground, rather, and he said, people come from all over to sit in the water, because uh, a lot of the local people feel like there's healing power in the water, and so they come to sit in there, and it's kind of neat, he said, maybe your team would want to go see it, so we thought, sure, why not, why, and now, I knew it wasn't going to be like the local spa in our, in our city, but I... I thought, you know, maybe like a tourist area or something. Well, we go 30 miles into the jungle and it's really into the poor part of, I mean, it's, it's poor mud huts and all these things and dirt roads. And finally, we get to where the pool is. And it's sort of over the crest of this hill and we've got an interpreter with us and we've got a team of about 15 or 20 of us. Jeff is there. He's, I'm leading him around. He's got his hand on my shoulder. And When we come over the crest and look, there's certainly water bubbling out of the ground and it has formed like a small little lake kind of area with rocks all around it. And as I look at it and look at, there's probably 150 people sitting in this water, standing in the water. And most of them are half naked. Some of them are totally naked. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And so I'm like, Jeff's like, what's going on? I'm like, Jeff, there's a pool full of like naked women and men here. And uh, so I said to our interpreter, we shouldn't be here. It just felt wrong. Here we are with our cameras. It felt like sort of a sacred thing, maybe a traditional sort of place. And who are we to be in here? And you know, they're not wearing clothes. And so I said to her, we need to get out of here. We shouldn't be here. He goes, I think it'll be a fine. And he talks to somebody. I think they started laughing. I'm sure he was making fun of me. And he said, no, they say you're totally welcome to stay. If you guys want to dip your hands in the water or whatever, uh, stay as long as you want. There's no problem, Joel. No problem. They're happy to have you here, whatever. So, I mean, they're, we're just like it's a spectacle. We're staring at them. They're staring at us. So I say to the team, all right, dip your hands in the water. We'll just two minutes, and then we're out of here. And so Jeff's got his hand on my shoulder, and he's going, Jeff or Joel, are they all sitting in the water because they're sick? I said, yeah, that's what what I'm hearing, that a lot of them are sick. Joel, this is why our meetings got canceled today. We should be preaching. We should preach the gospel to these people. We should pray for the sick. I'm thinking, Jeff, I don't have my iPad. I can't preach without my iPad. I just want to get out of here. I don't feel comfortable. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know, Jeff. And So I'm walking him, and he's just got his hand. He's just, he's a nuisance. Joel, oh, preach the gospel to these people. Preach the gospel to these people. Preach the gospel to these people. Finally, I get angry. I said, Jeff if you think we should preach the gospel to these people, you preach the gospel to these people. He says, fine, I will. Lead me to the edge of the water. So some of our team lead him up onto this rock. One of our guys sits down on the rock, puts his hands on Jeff's feet so he doesn't take a step in his blindness and plunge into the water. Me and another good friend of mine, we're standing sort of off to the side. I remember, I had my arms crossed. I'm kind of laughing at what I'm seeing here. We're making jokes. My friend Ron says to me, only God would use a blind man to speak to a pool full of naked women. <laughs> we, we're laughing. We think this is funny. Jeff's trying to, Jeff is trying to preach the gospel. He's stealing my sermon from the night before. He's getting it all wrong. And part of me is thinking, oh, I should have probably been the one doing this. As I'm kind of watching Jeff fumble and stumble his way through my message. He gets to the end, he says, how many of you are ready to receive Jesus as your Savior? Almost every hand in the pool goes up in the air. Jeff's having revival. And then Jeff says what I said the night before. The same God who forgives your sins heals all your diseases. So, we're inviting you to come up out of the water up here onto the rocks, and our team is gonna lay their hands on you and pray for you, and we believe God's gonna heal you. One of the African pastors who is with us kind of looks at me with his eyes like this, giving me like the no, and so I'm yelling at Jeff, Jeff, just a general prayer, just a, ge- <laughs> just a general prayer for healing, but it's too late. They've already heard and people are coming out of the water. They're coming up onto the rocks. Some of them are, you know, putting something around them or whatever. Others, not. <laughs> and they're on the rocks and our team just begins to pray for them. I'm, I'm, I'm a tourist at this point. I, I am a spectator. I'm thinking this is funny. And then I'm watching... And all of a sudden, our team is like jumping in the air because somebody's gotten healed. And now somebody else is getting healed. And somebody else is getting healed. Finally, I turned to Ron. I said, what are we doing? What am I doing? I I can't watch this. Let's join in. Let's move in. So we joined the team. And Ron and I were going to pray for somebody. I'll never forget this old lady comes climbing. She's got a cane and a big stick in her hand and somebody helps her up onto the rocks and she comes walking over to us like this, dragging her right leg. It's totally dead, this leg. It doesn't work. And she comes over. can't speak English. Clearly something's wrong with the leg. I put my hand on her head and I just said, Lord, help me. And I felt like the Lord just said to me, Joel, she's been cursed. Break the power of the curse over her. So I said, in Jesus' name, I break the curse of the spirit of infirmity. She just begins to shake and vibrate. My friend Ron has knelt down. He's got his hands on her leg. He told me afterwards, he said, Joel, when she began to shake and tremble, I felt her quad muscle grow out underneath my hand. And we watched her walk off under her own power. True story. Somewhere in there, we make our way back to the van. Jeff's father in laws behind me. He goes, Joel, did I just see what I just saw? Did that really happen? I said, Dale, it happened. And we sat there in the van before we took off, and we all looked at each other and said, Okay, who says that's the best day we've ever had in our Christian life? We almost missed it. If it was up to the great evangelist, Joel Wells, we would have missed it. We would have got in the van and gone home. But Jeff was there. And Jeff saw God walking on the water that day. And he said, hey, God, can I come? And he heard Jesus say, come on, Jeff. Jeff. Come on. And out he went, stumbling and fumbling, and God used it. Jeff became a regular on our teams after that. Always stands at the corner of the stage where there's some light where he can see a little bit. Usually sees more miracles than the rest of us. By the way, there was only one person that day that we prayed for that didn't get healed. Guess who? Jeff. Jeff. I remember when we were just getting in the van, I said, Jeff, we got to pray for you. Today's the day, man. (laughs) Clearly, today's your day. We prayed. Jeff's still blind today. And he always says, do you know how hard it is to pray for the sick when you're blind? And yet God uses him more than almost anybody I know in this area. What's the story? that God wants to write through your own lives this morning. I promise you, if there's a heart that says, God, can I come, that makes yourself available, you will hear God calling you to come. And when you have the courage to push to that edge, that's where the power of God is experienced. So why don't you stand to your feet this morning. When close prayer for you. I want to pray for you this morning, a prayer of impartation, of faith, of courage. If you feel like God is provoking you this morning, use this message to sort of stir you. If you, you know, maybe in your heart, you're just hearing that voice of, the, of, of Jesus saying, come on, come, I'm calling you. And you feel like I need to respond to that call. And sometimes I have found I need to physically move. And maybe getting out of your seat and just coming and standing at the front this morning is sort of like symbolic of you taking that step out of the boat and saying, God, I'm coming. I hear you calling me, and I'm going to come and respond. I'm making myself available. If that's you, then I want you to just come out of your seats now, and I'm going to pray for you. Come on. Are you? I'm an evangelist. Let's go. I want to pray for you. I wanna pray a prayer of impartation, of boldness, of faith. Some of you used to be more active. You you used to push to the edge, and you've gotten complacent. I've had those times in my life when I realized, God, I was bolder than I, I used to be bolder than I am now. I was pushing forward. And times come past more than I am now. God, light that fire in me again. Fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Stir me again. Let me hear that call afresh to come on the water. I want to pray for you this morning. Let's just lift our hands towards the Lord. It's just a receiving posture. God, as the hands are raised before you this morning, God, I ask that you would do something here right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm asking for an impartation, an impartation of faith. I'm asking for an impartation of courage. I'm asking for an impartation of of boldness in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm asking for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, even the most timid become courageous when your Holy Spirit comes upon us. Lord, I know when I sent your Holy Spirit, i do things that I would never do otherwise. And so, God, I'm asking even this morning that there would be a fresh infilling, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire in Jesus' name. God, I pray that there would be something of your Spirit that's provoking and stirring us to greater faith, to greater action, to greater boldness. Lord, a restlessness that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, that just says, I'm not content watching. I'm not content just being on the sidelines. I want to be an active participant in the story of God. Lord, there's something that would stir in us that says, God, use me. God, fill me. God, would you give me that gift of prophecy? God, would you give me that word of knowledge? Would you give me that gift of healing? Would you give me that opportunity to preach the gospel? Would you give me words in my mouth as an event?" Evangel- God, whatever it is, Lord, would there be a hunger that would be birthed within the people of God for all that you have for them in Jesus' name. They would earnestly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that creative ideas would be sparked in the people of God this morning. Lord, they wouldn't just become copycats, but there would be original ideas inspired by the Holy Spirit where they would feel like, ah, I just feel God's calling me in this area. i never had this thought go through my mind before, but I feel like God is provoking me to this action step. Father, I pray that the evangelists in this room this morning would arise in Jesus' name. Lord, evangelists can come in all sizes and shapes and styles. Lord, there are some that are great in front of crowds and there are some that are amazing in front of the individuals. Go into the Nicodemuses at night. The divine appointments, the divine connections. God, I pray that there would be a new sensitivity within the evangelists in the house this morning to recognize this is a moment when God is on the water. This is a divine appointment. This is a a time for a miracle. Lord, I pray that in the supermarkets and in the schools and in in the workplaces, God, there would be a sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. This is a time to step out. This is a time to speak. This is a time to lay hands on the sick. This is a time to preach the gospel. This is a time. This is a time. Father, would we be more sensitive to what you're doing? Lord, sometimes I feel like John never even thought about asking Jesus if I could come wasn't even thinking this was a divine appointment, a divine moment. But God, I pray that you would begin to stir in us, open us to, to a new awareness, kind of like Peter and John at the gate. I don't have silver and gold, but what I have is the Holy Spirit. And today's the day. Father, I pray even over this church in Jesus' name that you would stir in them this idea of why couldn't God do that here? Why couldn't we be that church? We hear what God's doing in this place, in that place. God, could you do it here? Could you use us in this city? Could you do something impossible in Stoke? God, I pray that there would just be this dream, this vision, this this something stirred by the Holy Spirit that says, I believe God could do this here. God, can we come? Can we come? Can we come? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're a great and mighty God. Thank you, Lord, that you choose to use us. Broken people. Messed up people. And yet, you love to use us. When we say, God, can I come? Lord, I pray for your blessing upon this house. Grow this place, use this place, stir the people of God. Father, I pray that this would be a church of participators, participators. Where the people of God are activated like never before. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bless you, church.